disposition that is like I am not what I used to be and I'm not what I'm going to be and God wants to grow me and God can use a donkey a parent a boss an employee a preacher a best friend an enemy the key for us is to learn how to have ears that hear to be wide open if you learn nothing else over the past few months you saw that being flexible and teachable are important traits in life. As you continue looking at the example of Balaam today, Pastor Daniel encourages you to have a teachable spirit. God wants to help you grow and live in a way that will bless your life. And he'll use lots of different people and circumstances to guide you. Pastor Daniel urges you to be willing to listen and respond to God's direction. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 22 as he continues his message. The way of Baal. All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. Numbers, chapter 23, as we continue our study here through the Bible through the Old Testament, through the book of Numbers. And so if you're new to the Bible, I want to get you to Numbers 23. It's really easy to find. You start at the beginning. You have Genesis, then you have Exodus, then you have Leviticus, and then you have the book of Numbers. So it's the fourth book in your Bible. We've been working since Genesis 1-1 for a little over three years now. At the rate we're going, I will definitely not be able to get to Revelation before God takes me home, unless I end up living like Methuselah for a really long time, which I am not expecting. So, we're going to go as far as we can, and we're just going to keep having fun, amen? So, I had you open to 23, but we're really in 22, because we're in this section, Numbers 22 to 24, which is the story of a man named Balaam. Give you a quick recap of what's gone on. What you have is that The Midianites and the Moabites are freaked out about the children of Israel. God is bringing them into the promised land. And all these armies had come out against the children of Israel. And God had defeated all these armies. So the surrounding neighbor nations were worried. They're like, man, these Israelites are bad. And so they decided, they said, listen, this is what we're going to do. Going out to war against them doesn't work so good. So we're going to call this prophet named Balaam. And we're going to ask him to curse them. Because fighting physically against them is not working. So we're going to try and defeat them by getting a prophet to curse them. So they go to Balaam, who's a prophet. And they say, listen, Balaam, you need to come with us. Because the king of the Moabites wants you to come. And he's got a job for you. And Balaam said, listen, you wait here. I'm going to go seek the Lord. And I'm going to, I can only do what the Lord tells me to do. And so sure enough, he comes back. And he says, yeah, the Lord told me I can't go with you. So can't go with you. So sure enough, the messengers go back to the king of the Moabites, and he says, yeah, that's just not okay with me. So what he decides to do, because he's thinking like a king, he's like, oh, I didn't send the most qualified people. I need to send more important people. I need to offer more money, and then he'll come. 
And so sure enough, they come back and Balaam goes to the Lord again and says, well, they're here again. What should I do? And God says, go, right? And sure enough, as Balaam is traveling there, he's on his good and faithful donkey, which was his car of the day. So this was long before whatever your favorite vehicle was. The donkey was the favored car or scooter or motorcycle or two-wheeler or whatever your favorite mode of transportation was. Back in the day, the donkey was the hybrid car that everybody had, if they had a car, okay? And so he gets on his trusty donkey, and every time I say donkey, of course, I sound like Shrek because I have little kids, so it's donkey. So anyway, so he's on his donkey, and sure enough, the donkey notices that there is an angel of the Lord with his sword out to kill Balaam the prophet. And so the donkey notices the angel, the prophet doesn't. And so the donkey is diverting Balaam off the path, and Balaam is just piping hot. He's mad at his donkey. And so he's hitting the donkey, and then finally, it gets so bad that the donkey starts to talk to Balaam, right? And what's amazing about this is Balaam isn't shocked that the donkey is talking to him. And he starts having a conversation with the donkey. I'm going to read it to you, because I stopped in the middle of it, but Look at what happens here. It's amazing. We'll pick up in Numbers chapter 22 in verse 22. Then God's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And as he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him, now, verse 23, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me. I wish there was a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden? Ever since I became yours to this day, was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. And then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now, a couple things. We talked about why was the angel of the Lord there to kill Balaam? Remember, what was God's answer when Balaam came the first time? 
No. God did not want Balaam to go, but Balaam wanted to go. And I made the point that when God says don't do something, don't do it. It's like we teach our kids this stuff, but we forget that we're just grown-up versions of kids. When God says don't do it, don't do it. But Balaam came back again, and God said, okay, you want to go? See, the reason God says no is not because God's a big meanie. God says no because he loves us too much to let us hurt ourselves. That's why he says no. You know, someone's always bound to say, they're like, well, I don't like a God who would say no. And I always say, look, true love always involves no. Like if you read 1 Corinthians 13, it's read at most marriages. It should be read at all weddings, but some people don't like the fact that it's read at everyone else's wedding, so they decide they don't want it read. But notice, true love is certain positive things, and it has to be also defined by certain things it's not. So, like, if love is patient, then love can't be impatient. If love is kind, then it can't be rude. You know what I mean? So there always has to be some negative ways to define what love is. And so God says no because God loves us enough to not want us to hurt ourselves. But we want what we want. And Balaam, that's why I call this the way of Balaam. Because all of us are like Balaam in some ways. Like Balaam was a prophet. He was a minister for hire. And he liked getting paid for it. I mean, he's going to the king of the Moabites. A pretty good gig. And he wanted to go. But God had already told him no. God had already told him no. And so there's this angel that, now what's amazing is, is that In the process, what you find is that the circumstances for Balaam gets treacherous because his normally well-functioning donkey was kind of losing it a little bit. Now, you all know that not every time the circumstances are challenging does it mean that God is against what's going on. And the key for us is to learn when we need to persevere through hard circumstances Or we need to see the circumstances as God's way of trying to change where we're going. Now, what we learn from Balaam is actually how to discern the difference. And what's the discernment? What does God's word say? See, Balaam was having a tough time because he wasn't supposed to be going anyway. And there was this angel there who was going to kill him. And Balaam didn't know it, but the donkey saw the angel. And everywhere the angel was, the donkey was trying to protect himself and Balaam. So if when circumstances are hard, the first question needs to be, am I living in rebellion against God? Am I living contrary to what God's word tells me? And if I am... We might want to say, okay, it's not the devil's fault. It's the fact that I'm making some pretty poor decisions. And i got to own my bad decisions. I have to own the fact that my decisions do not line up with God's heart or his revealed word. And I need to change my decisions because my struggle is not because of something else. It's mine. Right? But if you know that what you're doing lines up with God's word and his heart and it's a struggle, then you have to say, okay, God, As far as I understand, I'm lining up with your word in your heart. So I'm going to keep going because I believe this is what you want. But if I got it wrong, this is hard. And if you want to make it easier, sounds great. 
But the key is, is we need to look at our own lives and discern our lives against God's word. See, Balaam wasn't supposed to go. He wasn't supposed to go. So someone is bound to say, and it always happens, they're saying, so I just can't believe that a donkey could talk to Balaam. Anybody else might want to go there? Listen, I go there. The key for this is you notice that it says in verse 28, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she spoke to Balaam. So here's what I want you to know. Normally donkeys don't talk. I've never met a talking donkey except an animated donkey. That sounds like Eddie Murphy. I've never met a talking donkey, but if God wants to open or use anything to speak, God can. And if you don't believe that, it's because you don't believe in God. But like, we have all these things in the Bible where God wants to do something unique. Like people all the time say to me, now, don't get me wrong, you can go on YouTube and you can watch all sorts of videos of animals that are speaking. People have taught their dogs how to say certain things. And, you know, and so we can train these things because animals can. They have language skills and certain ones are more linguistically inclined. But this is a miracle. It's a miracle. God gives the donkey the ability to actually have a rational conversation with Balaam. And that's because God is the God of the all things are possible. And the fact that God can make a donkey talk is really actually very encouraging if you are a child of God because it means that God could do whatever he needs to do at any given time using whatever means necessary. And sometimes God uses the mouth of an ass to show us our disobedience. That's the King James. Take it up with Shakespeare. And King Jimmy. If God, and listen, God oftentimes uses the most unlikely people to call us on our garbage, doesn't he? And the key, see, what I love about Balaam is Balaam isn't like, shut up, donkey. He doesn't do that. He actually discusses it. And the Balaam's like, so can we get this straight? Have I ever done this before? And he's just like, "Uh, No. The key for us is to be teachable. That's the key. The key is to say, God, you can use anybody to show me things because he's the God of the all possible. And you and I need to learn how to have a heart disposition that is like, I am not what I used to be and I'm not what I'm going to be and God wants to grow me. And God can use a donkey, a parent, a boss, an employee, a preacher, a best friend, an enemy. The key for us is to learn how to have ears that hear, to be wide open. Because God speaks to a prophet, like a guy who makes his living doing this, to an animal. And what's kind of cool is that the donkey and Balaam have their discussion, and Balaam's just mad at the donkey. It's all the donkey's fault. Now notice that. Brothers and sisters, listen. If you're mad at somebody and everything's all their fault, I guarantee it's not true. It might be partially their fault. But the only reason the donkey is doing what the donkey is doing is why? Because Balaam started it. See, we love to blame shift. And you know how I know we love to do it? Because it's right in our Bibles. Adam and Eve, they fell in the garden. And what they start doing? Started blaming other people. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. As I like to say, there was no one else there, so the serpent was left with the hot potato. 
The blame game is what fallen humanity does to not have to own their own stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people are just flat out wrong. Sometimes I'm flat out wrong. You're flat out wrong. But we always have to be careful if we're always shifting the blame to somebody else. See, Balaam, all of this is because of the naughty donkey. But is it really the donkey's fault? The donkey's actually protecting him. But things aren't going the way Balaam wants, and Balaam wants a scape donkey, scapegoat. And so the donkey's the problem. And I think oftentimes we have a tendency to not want to look at ourselves and find someone to blame. Our political system, as the way it plays out in the media, is based on that. I'm going to find someone to blame for all the problems. And if you look at the history of cultures, in every time things get rough, they find someone to demonize, someone to say it's their fault. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people do really bad stuff. And the world's going to do that because it won't self-reflect. But as followers of Jesus, given the light of the Spirit, we always have to say, rather than looking for who I'm going to blame, God, will you shine the light on my heart? What do I need to see for me? Because then you know what happens is you notice the plank in our own eyes. We will notice the specks in other people's eyes, but we'll be so busy dealing with the lumber yards in our own eyes, we have enough on our hands to worry about someone else's garbage. That's the teachings of Jesus. But Balaam's looking for someone to blame. It's the donkey's fault. They have their discussion. Now, in verse 31, now I ended there. It says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Now, what that means is that Balaam realized that there's something else going on. It's not every day that you see an angel of the Lord with his sword out. And so literally he bows his head in humility and literally falls on his face. Total surrendered position. He was straight up, he tapped out. For those of you like MMA, that's what he did. He's just like, "Mm -mm, yeah, this is a problem. I surrender. Just white flag. I'm like, I'm not even going here. And then a discussion ensues. Notice the angel. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I love that about the Lord. How often does the Lord speak to us by asking a question that we have to answer for ourselves? The donkey just had this discussion. It's like, so why would you strike your donkey, bro? Because God likes to draw us out. Notice when you read the Gospels how often Jesus leads with a question so that we are drawn out. We have a chance to be able to start to say, oh, this is what's going on. And then he starts to explain to him. He's like, behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Now listen, he's like, I came out here to stand against you because your way is wrong. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is why people don't like the Bible. That phrase right there. Because the true and living God who created and sustained everybody would have the audacity to tell a person, your way ain't okay. And that's why people don't like to follow Jesus. Because Jesus is going to say, because I am the way, the truth, and the life, and because I am the one person who never made a mistake, and I always did the things that pleased my father, and death couldn't keep me, I'm allowed to tell you if your way is okay or not. And for humanity, in this generation, we say, I will not have someone tell me how to live. It's my life. And that, my friends, is the fallacy that has gone on in humanity since its inception. 
Since the fall of humanity, that's the problem. And the Bible tells us that God will say, this is okay and this isn't okay. And our lives matter so much that we should care if the true and living God, the source of all life, would say to us, your way is not okay. And the beauty is, God isn't just someone who points out our mistakes. See, that's judges on your favorite music contestant show. They just tell you what's wrong. But Jesus says, look, I want to reveal to you what's wrong, and I want to empower you by my spirit to live the way that's right. He doesn't just want to point out our deficiencies. He says, look, I want to empower you by the spirit to live in a way that you never dreamed possible. And I love that about the Lord. He's not just a, you're messed up. He's like, look, you're messed up, but I'm going to take you from being totally messed up, and I'm going to make you into something glorious by my spirit. And so God isn't just like a, you're perverse. He's like, no, no, I actually want to transform your life. I realize you got flaws, but I'm going to do a work in you. And that's why I love following Jesus, because Jesus is real and honest with us about where we fail, but never leaves us there. He never beats us down and reveals our junk so we feel bad. He's like, look, I want you to see where you need to grow so that I can do a work in your life. And God's revelation of our flaws is not to hold us down, but to prepare us for the surgery he wants to do. It's just like when you go to the dentist. The dentist just doesn't start drilling your teeth, right? You would hope not. The dentist would say, look, you got a root canal that you need, so I got to go drill in there. Because you know what needs to be happening, you expect the drill, right? And that's why God reveals to us what he's doing in our lives. Because he wants to show us, look, this is an area of growth. And so I might need to drill a little bit. It could be a little dicey. It might hurt a little bit. But I don't do it for no reason. I do it because I love you too much to keep you just that way. I want to transform you. He tells the prophet, your way's perverse. It's not okay. It's not okay. And so... From there, what's beautiful that happens? He says in verse 33, The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. She had not turned aside from me. Surely I would have killed you and let her live. He said, look, you want to kill the donkey? If the donkey didn't do what the donkey did, I was going to kill you and she was going to go free. His way was completely backwards. Jesus is... It's the human condition. We don't want anyone, especially God, to tell us how to live our lives. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God doesn't point out your deficiencies to tear you down, but to empower you to live a life you didn't think was possible. You learn that Jesus is honest about your failures, but doesn't leave you there. He wants to transform you from the inside out because he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. 
Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, you'll see that Balaam repents because he got caught. But as Pastor Daniel explains, it's not just wrong because you were found out, it's wrong because it's wrong. You'll learn that God's way is to bring things out in the open and to own them. You'll also see that God allows Balaam to go to the Moabites, but only to bless the children of God, not to curse them as Balak wants him to do. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Wilderness. Until then, may God bless. <laughs>